1: Just want to let you know about a few exciting developments. <laughs> first of all, we have our first ever live taping of a Buffering the Vampire Slayer episode. We're oh going to be doing my it. my word. In Los Angeles at the Nerd Melt showroom mm-hmm. on February 2nd at mm-hmm. 7 p.m. You can get tickets at nerdmeltla.com.
2: And find out once and for all, are we actually this great at talking or are we really good at editing? Yeah. Just <laughs> <laughs> a little editing humor for you. <laughs> wow. Uh, Yeah, so come join us. It's going to be great. Next week, we'll probably tell you about some guests that are going to come. Also, speaking of shows, to those of you who came out in New York City, in Brooklyn, to Union Hall, uh, to see our first ever live show. We didn't do a live taping, per se. It wasn't a proper episode, but we did play through the songs. We had a celebration of season one. A celebration of season one. We had some incredible guests come up and talk to us. Um, We had Slayerettes. Who yes. helped us with our music? Mm-hmm. Um, and you can listen to that entire event now, totally free of charge. You go over to Drumroll, please, our new Patreon page. We oh, t- I forgot to give you a drum roll. Hey, well, I'll try it again, Jenny. Okay. Drumroll, please. <laughs> our new Patreon page. <laughs> <laughs> We have uh, set up a Patreon page, uh, patreon.com slash bufferingcast. Um, If you don't know about Patreon, uh, don't be afraid. There will be a lot of free content there. It's a great place for artists and podcasters and all sorts of human beings to put all of their materials. And then there is bonus materials for those who donate at the dollar, $5, or $10 mark. You can find out all about that over there, or you can say... Screw that, you guys. I just want to listen to the free episode. You can go on over and you can just click the sound file right there and listen to it. Oh, yeah. Um, and you'll notice as you're listening to the sound file that there are some visual cues. For example, I made four videos of slow motion Cordelia. Um, those are accessible. All of the visual elements are accessible for any Patreon donor level, a dollar or more. So if yes. you want if you want the, the full 360 experience, yeah. you can also get that over at patreon.com slash
1: Yes, indeed. Speaking of music, holy smokes. Um, Let me tell you something. Since last we spoke, our album, Buffering the Vampire Slayer, songs from season one, has become available on all digital platforms. Yeah. You can find it on iTunes. You can find it on Spotify. You can find it all over the digital Google land. Google Play. Yeah, Google Play. It's everywhere. You, you can locate it wherever you please. <laughs> and uh, we encourage you to do that, and we hope you enjoy it. We also want to let you know that we have a handful. We did a second short run of CDs, and we have a handful of those left up on our website at bufferingthevampireslayer.com, if you click on store or shop. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, you can order that CD. Uh, I think uh, we have a few left, and then there won't be any more.
2: Yep, So good. Well said. Good math. Right? <laughs> well, well said, Jenny. There are some, and then there will be none. That is exactly how that will work.
1: Unless no one ever orders another one yep, ever they just again.
2: stop. That's true. And then we'll just have some CDs. Um, cool. Well, shall we get into it? Let's.
1: And welcome to Buffering the Vampire Slayer, a podcast where we usually talk about one episode of Buffy at a time in chronological
2: order, uh, but that's not what we're doing today. I'm Jenny Owen Youngs. <laughs> and I'm Kristen Russo. And today we're doing a mailbag episode. Hooray! So we ended season one a few weeks ago. Sure did. And uh, we've been waking up every morning thinking, when are they going to put up another episode of this podcast? Mm. And here we are, finally, answering our own query.
1: Right, 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 right. Uh, but before... I, I wrote a letter to Santa. I oh. was like, dear Santa, all I want for Christmas is more episodes <laughs> of Buffering the Vampire Slayer.
2: Well, San- Santa was a little delayed, but... Well, some, he had a lot to take care of recently. Yes, that's true. Um, so so we're back, and we figured that the best way at this was um, next week, on the 11th, we'll be back with the very first episode of Season 2. Oh. Yeah. You're not... Wow. Good thing you clarified that with a guh at the end, because I thought you were wolf howling. No, I wasn't ready to wolf howl. Um, But before we get there, we want to tackle some of the incredible emails that we've gotten over the season. Um, And in addition to talking about some of the emails we've received from all of you, some of you sent us your very favorite moments uh, from season one. So we're going to kind of crawl through all of that wonderful material and talk about it where talking is needed, Mm. and listen where listening is needed. Mm. It's going to be... Just lovely. It sounds pretty great. I I really I think I did a good job selling it.
1: I yeah, I'm totally sold. I was not sold on this episode till
2: right now. Perfect. All right, let's do this. Let's do this. So our very first email is from Paloma. Paloma says, Dear Jenny and Kristen, just got off of the buffering Halloween hangout. It was so cool. Thanks for answering my question and responding to some of my comments. Along with being a fan of Buffy since I was a 12-year-old lesbian, at age 24, I'm now a large fan of you guys, too. Buffy was sort of my intro into the TV geek world. What was your guys' intros into whatever geeky worlds you are in? So I figured this would be a good place to start. Yes. Because, like, how did you become the geek you are, Jenny? What was your entry point?
1: Hmm. Well, I feel like um, there was a lot of, like, sci-fi movie viewing happening in my house. Like... As we've discussed privately, but not on the podcast, um, I was exposed to movies like Alien and Aliens at a mm. probably too young of an age. <laughs> um, but like that kind of like got into me. And when I was in elementary school, uh, I read a lot of comic books, which I think was kind of a thing that was passed down from my older brother. I read a lot of like Spider Man and She Hulk and mm. X Men. X Men in particular, like really has a lot of.
2: Meaning for me. Um, Do you think that you would have had access to the comics if you didn't have an older brother?
1: No. Well, I had a lot of, like, guy friends uh, who also were into comics, mm-hmm. but I, but it started, you know, at home. Yeah. Um, and also my brother was really into D&D, so I read a lot of his, like, Forgotten Realms novels. Yeah. And um, was just generally, like, sort of pro-dragon, pro-monster, <laughs> pro-alien. I, age.
2: I did not have any of that. I mean, I had, like, I read, um, like, the Chronicles of Narnia mm. um, as a kid and was super into that. But I didn't have anything around me that intrigued, like, sort of, like... Uh, tempted me to enter further into those worlds um, you know I watched like the never-ending story so there were like some elements but I didn't really recognize them as anything It just like cool stories right, right and then way later like in my 20s I watched Iron Man mm. and I was like "Hmm, I really enjoy this this was a very enjoyable thing for me and then from Iron Man I was like oh, I guess I liked Iron Man. I should watch X-Men. Maybe I would like that too. And then it was over. Like, that was it for me. Because it really, I didn't understand before watching X-Men, I didn't understand why everyone was, like, I didn't understand geek culture. I didn't understand nerd culture. I didn't understand why people loved comics so much. I just thought it was like, well, it's cartoons and like fun and whatever. You know, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. none of the larger underpinning messages and the importance of those messages was apparent to me at all. And then, of course, X-Men, as it did for you, I guess, Mm -hmm. also earlier, just sort of like threw open the doors to like, holy shit, we're talking about all this stuff right now in the context of this fantasy, this, you know, um, this like other world allows us to access things that we couldn't otherwise. Um, And then I and then we started dating and you were like, you have to watch Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And I was like, you're welcome. And now here I am. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, thanks, Paloma. Thanks for the question. Yeah. Um, okay. So next is an email from Daniel, who is commenting on uh, earlier in the season. We discussed. We discussed, <laughs> uh, discussed Giles's car, right? You had a few choice words about Giles's car. I Jenny. mean,
1: it's a shit heap.
2: Well. Daniel begs to differ. Okay. Daniel says, um, I listened to the mailbag episode. That must have been where you first trashed Giles' car. Mm -hmm. And I did want to chime in on the lack of love and appreciation for Giles' lovely Citroen. Oh, Oh, and thank you, Daniel. Gave me the way to pronounce it. Citroen. car. Personally, I think it's the perfect vehicle for Giles. It fits him like the funky old Volvo fits the 1970s detective Columbo, or Lorelei Gilmore's Jeep Suits Her. The perfect vehicular reflection of the person. Giles drives a model DS, which in French is pronounced DS. Mm. Thank you again, Danielle. The same as DS, which means goddess from Wikipedia. Wow. I mean goddess, sourced from Wikipedia. <laughs> cool, no. Citroën's styling and engineering were known for their innovation and uniqueness. That racy aerodynamic profile anticipates cars that came along much later. Of course, French cars were never very successful in this country and were kind of a joke from a practical perspective. But if you had ever ridden in a Citroën and experienced its legendary suspension, I think you would have more love for Mm. Giles' choice of vehicle. I would assert that Whedon totally nailed it when he gave Giles a Citroën, and I suggest in the future, more admiration of the Gilesmobile (laughs) is in order. Sincerely,
1: Daniel. Okay, listen, Daniel. uh,
2: So, Citroen, eh? Citroen. I said it wrong the whole time. Um, But I did a good job with my reading, I
1: You did a tremendous job. Thank you. Much emotion. So, here's the thing. Any thing of beauty can be left to uh, deterioration. And that's my... Mm. That's what bums me out about Giles' car. I love the shape of it. And I am a huge fan. Of smooth suspension. Kristen can attest.
2: <laughs> for some reason, I feel like that could go in so many directions. <laughs> I, no, 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 no.
1: Just for cars. But So... Oh, I
2: have to interject mm-hmm. now, Jenny. Because you're saying that you are appreciative of what Daniel has given to us here, but you think Giles has held on to this car for too long. Or he's not taking care of it. Oh, well, what if he's taking... What if he... First of all, there's just so much in there. Because Giles is he so stressed out he's about birdie. taking good care of well no i mean i oh, just think buffy he's right and what if he's just had this car for so long he loves this car even mm-hmm. though it's falling apart he wants to use this car it means so much to him okay. that's a giles character trait <sighs> Yes, yes, yes. Admit defeat! I don't
1: have to admit anything.
2: (laughs) I love this email, Daniel. Yeah, this is a great email, Daniel. Incredible. And and we're going to have, like, so we're going to go back and forth, you know, doing some emails and some um, recordings from you all. But uh, I want to say that we have uh, three or four emails like this one where you have written in to tell us the most incredible information. Minutely detailed. Minutely detailed, organized in a beautiful fashion. Thoughtfully crafted. Yes. So thank you, thank you, thank you. I think this is an appropriate time to hop to this email, um, from... um, uh, Well, you'll say who it's from, Jenny, because it's kind of the point. Well, it's from
1: Cordelia. Not Cordelia Chase, but a whole other Cordelia, if you can believe it. If you can believe it. Cordelia writes, Hey there, love the show. As a Cordelia, I just (laughs) wanted to thank you so much for the amazing Cordelia love theme, which I'm using as my alarm and is giving me goddamn life in these dark times. As both a Cordelia and a queer... I very much appreciate any situation where I can hear cute girls talk about how much they love Cordelia. So thanks for that too. Wow, wow, what an email! An
2: email from a real life Cordelia in the flesh. My flesh day, and my day and zeros. has been made. Also, we get to get we get called cute girls in the email. It's just a winner of an email. All. We assume that that's that they meant us. Well, yeah, right. I mean, two I hope so. cute girls talk about how much they love Cordelia. I think that I think that's us. Oh my gosh. I know. It's pretty great. So to you, Cordelia, and to any other Cordelias. All from, the Cordelias out there. Yes. We in love Cordelia you. Cordelia Land. You're perfect. Cordelia.
1: As we mentioned earlier, we put out a call to you all uh, to send us voice memos where you talk about your favorite moment of season one. And we're going to listen to one now mm-hmm. from a person who wished to remain anonymous uh, but urged <laughs> us to call them Angiles, which is, of course, the contraction. Of Angel and Giles. Uh, which they actually called a
2: portmanteau. Uh, some people are grown-ups with grown-up words. A portmanteau of the two characters. Is that I... how you pronounce that word? I don't know. That's how I hear it in my head. And like, haven't you heard that said before? Portmanteau?
1: I've definitely seen the word, but I don't know if I've ever heard it said. It. I would, my guess would be Portman or something.
2: I'm sorry, but, but I just didn't <laughs> give, that, give that to us one more time. <laughs> Our friend Mayru is gonna like that. Can you can you give us your pronunciation? Again? I gotta go. I actually have to get going. <laughs> Let's see. Portmanteau. 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 Also, jeez. Portmanteau.
1: Portmanteau. Portmanteau.
2: Portmanteau. No, she. Portmanteau. Man- portmanteau.
1: Portmanteau.
2: Portmanteau. Portmanto. Either way, we love the Anyway, we love that new word. We love that new word and, and we love this voice memo. Yes, yeah, so let's listen to um Angiles. Angiles.
0: My favorite scene so far has to be when Angel and Buffy first kiss, and then Angel's face changes and reveals that he's a vampire. The first time I watched it, I was seeing it from Buffy's perspective and experiencing her shock when this beautiful intimate moment is suddenly shattered, and she sees that this person who she has trusted and opened up to is what she assumes to be a vicious killer. Rewatching the episode after having watched all of Buffy and Angel, I saw it through Angel's eyes instead, and I realized how scared he must be in this scene. He has all these feelings for Buffy, but has tried not to act on them, thinking that he could never be with her, and knowing that if she ever found out what he was, she would hate him and be disgusted by him. All of these fears come true as his face changes and she screams in horror. This scene really spoke to me because my sexuality has always been mixed up with complicated and scary feelings about BDSM and gender identity. For a long time, I was afraid of being intimate with partners because I thought that they'd be horrified or disgusted if they saw who I really was.
2: Angels, you are so articulate. So articulate. And like what, I mean, this is kind of what we were touching on and we have touched on many times, but like what we were touching on a, a little bit before with X Men and, you know, how that was our gateway in and the things that these characters. Um, Let us know about each other and ourselves, you know, Mm -hmm. that like we can see ourselves reflected in, I think, the most important ways. And holy shit, like there's so much shame around this. Right. There's so much shame around um, gender identity when it doesn't line up with um, Mm -hmm. what the world says that it's supposed to line up with. There's there's so much shame around, um, you know, sex that is not vanilla. Right. Right. Um, For many of us, you know, I think maybe there's some of us that escape that. Net of shame, (laughs) but but I do think that the the majority of us are told, you know, this is right and this is wrong, this is good and this is bad, Um, and so Anne Giles here, um, I think this is. I just think it's so powerful, like seeing yourself reflected in a character in a way that lets you feel um, seen and also like makes you dig deeper, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Speaking of digging deeper. So we're recording in a different location than usual. We're in Brooklyn still recording this, and so we're just recording it. You'll probably notice an an audio difference as well because we're just recording it. um, On either an iPhone or a Zoom, we'll see which one comes out better. Mm -hmm. Um, But we are also in an apartment with a wonderful cat named Vega. But
1: he is mouthy.
2: He's very mouthy. Can we hear a little bit from Vega?
1: Yeah, let's let's play back Vega from before. What's What's that,
2: Vega? Really? Great. So, but also on the flip side, we're in an apartment that is uh, equipped with a recording studio. So Vega is now behind two panes of glass, meowing at the top of his lungs. But you can't, we can't
1: hear him. He's very mad. He's like, I have a lot to say about being seen in fantasy
2: and horror. And it's really funny to see a cat meow at their hardest when you can't hear anything coming out of their tiny cat mouth. It's kind of sad. He'll be fine. Anyway. (laughs) Anyway, back to you and Giles. Um, Sorry, Jenny. Were you saying something? Who can tell? Well, Do you have anything else you'd like to say? I
1: mean, I just thought it was so great. And also, I I can't. And Giles, if you just said that without writing it down and then reading it out loud, I am floored. That was just so beautiful.
2: Yeah, it's really beautiful. And thank you for sharing it with us and with all of our listeners. Yeah, hell yeah. I'm sure there's a lot of people listening who have similar feelings about this or who didn't even make the connection and just made the connection for themselves now, which is why art is cool. Yes. Well said. (laughs) Essay by Kristen Russo, who does not know how to pronounce portmanteau. I think you just did it. No, I did. Oh, Speaking of things that we are made to feel shameful of, mm-hmm. um, you know, being a woman is one of them. Yes. And the reason I bring this up is to bring us to a very important piece of information, which is over the holiday, we received some gifts Actually, I think there are more gifts that are waiting for us at home that we have not uh, gotten to yet. The gifts that we received before we left for the holidays were incredible, and one of them we posted online. Well, actually, we posted several of them online, but one of the ones that we posted online was a collection of chocolate Ugh. from a place. How do you pronounce it? Lagustas. Lagustas luscious. Lagustas luscious in New Paltz, New York. Woo. They sent us a custom made set of chocolates um, if you haven't seen it yet you can go on our Facebook or um, to our Twitter uh, both are just at buffering cast and you can see a picture of these chocolates oh my um, gosh. along with those chocolates beautiful and delicious delicious the, by the way the collected set was um, a chocolate vampire mm-hmm. a chocolate aorta I mean a chocolate heart with anatomical oh, anatomical heart, anatomical heart. Um, a chocolate skull mm-hmm mm-hmm uh, and a chocolate vulva. Yes, because for good of, measure because of the, the, patriarchy. the patriarchy, right? And so it, it, along with these chocolates came a mug, and the mug says, "Kill your local misogynist." <laughs> it is just a white mug with black text. You can see it also on our socials. It is my favorite thing in the world. I don't let Jenny use it. So this is from one of the chocolatiers, uh, whose name is Kate. Kate has made this mug, it is for sale, and it's incredible because the mug is amazing. Um, obviously, kill your local misogynist. That's pretty great. Um, in her initial note to us, Kate said the only people who didn't like the mug were misogynists and moms, <laughs> <because> I, <laughs> which I really liked. Moms are like, but why would you say to kill somebody, you know? Yeah. It's my universal mom. And misogynists life. are like, um... <laughs> And misogynists are like, you don't deserve to speak. You're yeah. a woman. Um, so anyhow, everyone else who will be just as delighted with this mug, I believe, as we are, um, can get one by just going to teamkate.storenv.com. and what's... Fucking awesome about this is that not only do you get an awesome mug, but all of the proceeds from the sale of this mug go to the Sylvia Rivera Law Project and the Southern Poverty Law Center. Yes. Just come on, you know, just yes. the best. So I'm going to be buying these Kill Your Local Misogynist mugs for everyone I know. I suggest you do the same. Uh, thank you, Kate, for gifting us our first one. Oh, and yes. Um, thank you, Kate and Adrian uh, at Lagusta's for that incredible chocolate. Oh, seriously. Um, so thought out, mm-hmm. so incredible, and totally gone. Because yes.
1: So eaten. He ate it all. <laughs> um, cool. Okay. So, next we've got another voice memo coming in from Anna in Green Bay about iRobot Jane. Yes. And um, I mean, she really speaks well for herself, so I should just let her talk.
2: Hi, this is Anna from Green Bay, Wisconsin. My favorite moment is in episode eight I, Robot, You Jane. I love the part where Giles tries to explain the demon in the internet to Jenny Calendar, only to have her say, I know, and explain how she is a technopagan. Giles gets adorably flustered while Jenny gives off some awesome 90s-style hacker vibes. I was totally a teenage technopagan back in the late 90s, and this scene brings back so many great memories of hanging around in online Wicca message boards, my early attempts at computer programming, and even a small crush on my high school computer science teacher. I just wish I had watched this show when it aired. It would have meant so much to me back then. Ugh. I was a teenage techno pagan. <laughs> That's please Anna if you write a memoir. Let that be the title. Please let that be the title. How great is everyone?
1: Everyone is so great. Everyone did such a great job with their emails and their voicemail and their favorite
2: moments from season 1 and their techno pagan <sighs> <laughs> no uh, so good. Were you big on like uh, message boards and stuff? Uh, well, I
1: was very active in the alternative music chat room. I don't know what. What like, was I don't know who your was under an username? Umbrella. I think my username was Gen X, like J E N N X. Wow.
2: Yeah. That's so good. Thank you. Gen Thanks for your
1: support. X. I feel like the last person I told this to was like, "That's the worst thing I've ever heard." Who was that person? ooh I think it was Matt Myra.
2: <laughs> nice, Matt Myra. <laughs> It's the best thing I've ever heard. So.
1: Well, the, that's the if only we, way you guys are
2: different. If we ever get Matt on our show, we'll... We'll, we'll have to grill him We'll about argue. This. Matt and I will have a head-to-head on Oh, but
1: on then them. he said what his first username was, and it was really good, but I can't remember what it was. know yeah, well,
2: in a future episode to come, <laughs> we'll have to remember to ask Matt those questions. Um, so, yeah, and I my username, my first username was very boring. It doesn't have was any... Was it like... Kristen. It, it was Chris3918 because my best friends had gone away to college and the last four digits of my best friend's SUNY Oswego phone number was 3918. And like, to give me a little credit, in the 1990s when you were creating a username, you didn't realize that you would have it forever. You know what I mean? That like yeah, yeah, Chris3918 would, would become my like moniker, moniker? Sure. For nearly a lifetime. So uh, I was just like, Chris, and these numbers I call all the time, 3918. Yeah. I don't know. Wow. But, but I wasn't very active. I mean, I would like go in AOL chat rooms, but I didn't have like, pa- you know, pages and stuff until MySpace came along. Mm. Um, but I was still very confused about MySpace. Whatever that guy's name was, that was everybody's Tom? friend. Tom? Everybody's w- friend. Oh, I didn't know. And I was like, see, I, rem- I don't remember who told me to go on it, uh, but I, I went on it and I was like, you see, I've been on this thing for one second. I already have some weirdo that I don't know who's oh my God. friended me. You didn't realize that he was no, MySpace? No, no, I didn't know. Wow. Anyway, but I did get heavy into, um, illegal music, da- well, legal, but illegal music downloads. Legal, but illegal? I mean, like, I think that Napster was probably always kind of illegal, but it wasn't, like, there were no regulations on it when Napster first mm. came on the scene. Like, as a kid, I mean, you must have gone through this, too. Like, I didn't know that what I was doing was wrong. I was just like... I
1: never downloaded music illegally. Really? I have
2: never, to because this day. Because you're a musician and you were aware from the start?
1: Um, no, because I was like, why would I... Like, I was really into collecting
2: Oh, like, albums. physical copies and so, like, stuff.
1: And, and uh, like, I just wasn't um, exposed. Like, I was more interested in just getting the records and listening to them. Right. And, and not, it, like, I was like, why would you ever just want to have, like, a digital file of music when you could have a CD? Oh, my.
2: Yeah, that's me. Good old Gen X the strikes yeah. again. <laughs> Um, Well, I did. I I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. Gross. I still think it's gross. Well, I mean, now we have more... I I think you need to take a deep fucking breath.
1: (laughs) I'm entitled to my opinions and I'll breathe when I want. But your
2: opinion is very judgy of Kristen Russo 1998 right now. No, 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 no. You're like, I never did that and I would never do it and I find it (laughs) disgusting. And then you spit on the floor. I did spit on the floor. (laughs) I'm just saying that, like... You know, before I had awareness of, like, music and the craft of music, it was just like, holy shit, I can, like, download all this stuff, and I can listen to all this new stuff. It was so awesome, mm-hmm. and I learned about so much music through it. And then it was like, Napster is actually illegal. And we were all like,
1: skirk! Yeah, and Metallica <laughs> was like, where's our money? Where?
2: <laughs> wow. I mean So much judgment from all angles yeah. coming from Gen X over yeah. in the corner.
1: I gotta be me.
2: Well, thank you, Anna. That thank was you great. for your wonderful voicemail. Um, we actually speaking of uh emails that have a lot of fantastic information in them, uh relatedly to this iRobot Eu Jane episode. Oh my god, this is really Do you wanna set this set this up, set the stage for why this email got sent to so us? So
1: you may recall uh a in the cold open of *I Robot*, you, Jane, we see Thelonious Monk. We see a monk named Thelonious speaking Italian, um, and we also see Moloch speaking Italian, and we see his his uh, acolyte speaking Italian. And uh, we were talking about like, is this is it Italian? Real Italian yeah. is this like time era appropriate Italian or like what's the deal? So we got this incredibly informative uh, and exhaustively detailed email from Michaela, the, that is just really something.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm going to read a little chunk of it, I think. Yeah. Um, but the full, where I'm going to stop, it stops right before we get a line-by-line Translation and conversation about that translation—it's it incredible. Amazing. It's it's a miracle. So we'll, we're going to put this up on our Facebook page today. which is just Facebook.com/slash BufferingCast with the full tr- full translation because it is really special. Oh my god, it's uh, so good. Um, but let me give you just a little bit from just a taste. from Michaela here. Okay, so Michaela says. As an Italian major at university, I thought I'd tell you guys my useless rant about the Italian used in this scene, since no one else in my life is going to give a shit. (laughs) First off, in 1418, no one would be speaking modern Italian. Modern Italian wasn't even a concept until much, much more recently, and even today, not everyone in Italy speaks the same Italian. What Moloch and the others in that scene were using was modern northern Italian, and even then they weren't always using it right. If this show were being historically accurate, they would more than likely have been using the vulgare, the common Latinate language used by the common and merchant classes at the time. It would have also had strong regional influences as the city of Cortona is in Tuscany. Also, for anything religious, they probably still would have been using Latin. Wow. Secondly, when the minion whose neck is broken is speaking to Moloch, he is using the to form. Anyone who has studied Romance language knows that there are two ways of addressing people, formally and informally. This minion absolutely would not have been addressing someone he reveres so informally as to use the to. He would have used the lay, which would have been the formal form at the time. Moloch may have used the informal when speaking back, but the minion absolutely should not have been using it. That would be extremely disrespectful, and from the scene, he did not seem to want to cause disrespect. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm-hmm. This is amazing. It's amazing. (laughs) So, Michaela, thank you. And for those of you who are as super fucking into this as we are, um, Michaela goes on to do a line by line, you know, Uh, dissection of Moloch's words and the Minion's words, and like just. Oh, it's just great. So go over to our Facebook page today. Um, it'll be um, one of the most recent posts, if not the most recent post. Yeah. We'll have this full analysis God, from Michaela.
1: It's so amazing.
2: Uh, disclaimer, I'm but a humble fourth semester Italian student. Like, you're doing great, Michaela. Much better than anybody in this room, for yes, sure. Yes, oh, yes. Thank, thank you, thank
1: you. Thank you, you. Michaela. So next we have the shortest email ever from Jeff. Yes, we went from the longest email to the shortest email. Indeed. Mm -hmm. Sharp relief. And Jeff says, I literally just thought of this and decided to send it your way. Buffy's High School is the same one they used for Beverly Hills 90210. No idea if you guys knew that or not. Thank you, Jeff.
2: Thank you, Jeff. Uh,
1: That's Torrance High School, right? Yes, it
2: is Torrance High School in California, a place where Jenny and I will indubitably be. What does indubitably mean? Uh, I think that's right I think you're using it the way you mean to use it I think my brain is so weird you guys like it has words in it that it'll just throw out and it's like I think this goes here but but if you said what does indubitably mean I'm like no idea I just think contextually it would fit in that sentence yeah I think it means like death Un- undoubtedly is, is how that's, I have it Yeah, yeah indubitably yeah, right let's not look it up let's just let this yeah fly. let's just that's Kristen's a uh, new segment <laughs> called Kristen makes up definitions to words <laughs> um, cool so yeah we will I'm sure be going to Torrance High School at some point to do something fun.
1: And there will be photographic evidence. Also
2: if for any reason you are listening to this podcast and you went to Torrance High School back in the heyday Please email us. Please email us at bufferingthevampireslayer at gmail.com because we would love to talk to you about your experiences at Torrance High School. Please. Home of Brenda and Brandon, Angel and Buffy. I don't know if Angel ever, well, well, I guess he hangs out at the he library. He hangs out, yeah, he's, Perfect. he's there. Perfect. Anyway, thank you, Jeff, for this. Yes. I'm sure many of you knew this already, but I but. did not know this. And and so I'm sure that the Christians of the world who are looking up indubitably <laughs> did not know this either. So you all get to learn a little something. Um, we have an email from Kenneth uh, who says, this is now this is sent to us to give you some context the morning of November 9th. Um, that was actually 2016. Yes that's right it's true when the sound file is in space yeah they'll be like if only the they had let us know mm. um okay so i just got so distracted thinking about them saying like hearing us call them out on being excited about the year and then <laughs> laughing at us <laughs> so, so it's fine kenneth emails us um the morning after the 2016 election and uh, the morning of, of our irobot you jane episode where we put a little pre-roll in
1: yeah, we just uh, put a little message up front because we felt very sad and uh, very scared. And we felt like a lot of you might be feeling that way. And we wanted to share something with you that might feel a little hopeful. So yeah. we shared uh, a quote from a later episode of Buffy. and
2: um, Right. And so, yeah. And so then Kenneth wrote in and said, um, you know, that waking up this morning was unreal. Uh, I got one hour and 13 minutes of peace today while I was listening to today's episode of Buffering. Thank you for giving me something funny and positive. Thank you for giving me something awesome about something I love. I'm so thankful for your podcast, the work that you do with the LGBT community, and that you are strong, proud women. I hope if I have a daughter, she has the same strength and pride. And this last bit is why I want to read this email the most. I'm going to use this as inspiration and go to my local city council meeting tonight. Hopefully I can start the changes I want to see in the world. All the best, Kenneth. Oh no. Are you crying? Not quite. Is it because I did such a good reading of something you had already read that it hit you in a whole new way? Yes. This is just like everything, right? You know, yeah. where the show exists and it forms this space where we all get to say, like, we we like this thing. Mm-hmm. Let's get together and, like, sit in this space together and mm-hmm. talk about this thing together and love this thing together. And then bad shit happens and we're in this space together and we get to kind of, like, turn over shit in our hands and say, like, well, I can use this piece from this space to, like, help me. Or I can use this piece or, like, listen to what that person is doing with this space that, that helps me navigate this thing and I don't, I could not dream up a more powerful, um, you know, end result. not that it's the end, but you know what I mean, in yeah. this, in this arc, then you standing up and saying, I need to do more, I'm going to go to this local government meeting and participate. I mean, because that is, that's everything. And so often, I think, not to get all politicky, but I think so often in politics, we think about the biggest votes, right? Like, I'm going to vote for the president. I'm going to vote for the vice president. I'm going to vote for senators. Those are all important votes, certainly. But um, a lot of us neglect to participate at the local level. And um, what we set down at the local level often is the current that pushes the larger stream. Mm So um, all... The thanks to you, Kenneth, for participating, and all the love to the rest of you out there who are searching out ways to get involved. Mm -hmm. Um, This is a great way to get involved with your local government. Um, Super powerful stuff. Um, But I also think that there's a ton of ways that you can give back right now, um, whether it is going to that local city council meeting, volunteering, or like creating a piece of music that you share with the world. You know, there's so many different avenues. Oh, I can do that one. You can do that one? Yeah. Okay. Thanks. Yeah.
3: And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream.
0: So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Okay, so um, let's go to another recording now from um, Scott in Philadelphia, who uh, has some stuff to say about Cordelia. Mm. You know you're going to get played on the show when you got Cordelia commentary. Mm
3: -hmm. Hi, this is Scott from Philadelphia. I happened upon Buffy as the show began, so all of my first
2: impressions were my own. And I remember loving the show for its cleverness and its wit, but I do recall when I first saw the Nightmares episode really being hit by Cordelia's speech when she talked about being alone even when she was surrounded by people. It reminded me how deep the show could be and how it was always going to Flip expectations and show you a different side. Cordelia wasn't just the queen bitch. She was a person and she had depth and a point of view. And that's why I loved that moment. And it remains my favorite moment from season one. Yes. Yes. Yes, Scott from Philly. You are right on. You got it. You got it. You really got it. Nailed it. And you know who else nailed it? Hammer. Cordelia. Uh, Accurate. Yes. Um, Totally agree. Totally why I love Cordelia. Totally why I love Joss Whedon.
1: Love to see this vulnerability shining through the cracks. Yes. In her carefully constructed facade.
2: Because it exists in all, I mean, you know, nobody's just... One thing. Right. Nobody's just one thing. Um, Certainly none of the characters in... Buffy the Vampire Slayer,
1: Are just one thing, right? No, I was
2: I, I was gonna th- I was gonna say except for maybe the Master, but like you know what? Damn it! Even no, the Master is yeah. certainly not just one. He's thing. He's evil,
1: but he's also kind of a like tap dancer. Yeah, <laughs> you
2: know, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yes. Um, so thank you so much for that.
1: Okay, so next we have my favorite email of all time. Wow, is that too much? Can I read this? Yeah. This email comes from Herky. The subject is. Daddy longlegs, exclamation point. And Herky says, Hey friends, knowing how nerds are on the internet, I figure you've already received possibly hundreds of notes regarding this. Since I'm a little late on listening, but just in case you haven't, I thought this was something worth pointing out. In Nightmares, you discuss spiders and how one should never be okay with them crawling on you except for possibly daddy longlegs. First of all, I feel confident that I never said that was okay. (laughs) Once the conversation started focusing on them, I immediately thought, Please don't say they are the most poisonous spider. Please don't say they are the most poisonous spider. And then, Jenny, it happened. Me? (laughs) You. It's okay! It's not your fault! This is a widely spread myth that somehow has reached so many over the years that most just accept it as fact. However, this is very far from the truth. Daddy longlegs are harmless not because they don't have fangs that can pierce your skin, but because they don't have fangs or venom at all. In fact, they're not even in the same species as regular spiders, which is why they don't have eight eyes, and they have just a single body rather than a separated abdomen and cephalothorax like spiders generally do, of course. (laughs) Much like scorpions or mites, they're arachnids, but not spiders. (laughs) Then a link to an in-depth rundown, (laughs) but I feel like this was already an in-depth
2: rundown. Uh, Yeah.
1: Sorry for science nerding out on y'all, though I'm sure Jenny can appreciate some good Science learning out every once in a while. Stay mm-hmm. groovy. Herky, thank you. Herky for the greatest email
2: of all time. Okay. So, rounding the bend here to our last voice memo. Wow. Um, I know. I know. It's gone that so quickly. What's up my best? Did. Um, we got a, a recording from Vanessa who actually is also from Philly. Cut two. Yeah, what's up with Philly? Two Philadelphia. Y'all holding it down. Yeah, two Philadelphia. Should we go to entries. Philly? Maybe we should go to Philly. All right. Um everybody in Philly just got very excited. <laughs> Future plans TK TK. Um okay, so Vanessa from Philly talks about um Prophecy Girl. Mm-hmm. So let's just shut up and listen to Vanessa.
3: <laughs> Hello, my name is Vanessa. I'm calling in from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and my thoughts on the first season of Buffy. Um not really a fan of it. Um it's always a little hard for me to get through. But it's totally worth it when I get to Prophecy Girl. Because uh, one of my favorite moments in the entire series is when Buffy's having her confrontation with Giles and Angel. And she has her line, I'm 16, I don't want to die. I find it's the first moment in the series so far that has this real emotional weight and this rawness. And that's a big reason why I love Buffy so much. And I keep on coming back and rewatching watching it. Uh, and it's also the first time you get to see Sarah Michelle Geller really act and you get to see her do what she does best and that is rip your heart out and it's only the beginning um but thank you Kristen thank you Jenny for an awesome podcast and I can't wait for season two
2: you know why I love this, and like obviously we chose to round the bend to the ending with this one because it is from Prophecy Girl. But it's also I think pretty great because of how Vanessa, you talk about the fact that you don't even really like season one, because um, I think a lot of a lot of people feel like that. yeah, a lot we of feel that right. I mean, I turns out it's fine, it's uh, great, I, I'm into it, but I, but also my relationship to it is so different I think than most people's. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that everybody understands what you're saying here. Um, and I had that moment watching Prophecy Girl where I was all of a sudden like, oh, I remember.
1: Yeah.
2: I forgot and I remember now mm-hmm. what this series can do and what Buffy can do and what my emotions will soon do. I just want to stop for one second and let ev- give everybody a cat update. The cat is now standing on two back legs, tapping his paws on the glass <laughs> because... Pardon me. He's, you he's, seem to have forgotten. He's concerned. Um, we'll try to get a picture of Vega for you, <laughs> so you can see Vega. Anyhow, um, I I really so identify with everything that you're that you're saying, Vanessa. And um and oh my gosh, because the next episode we will be talking about is our entry point into season two, mm-hmm. where I think we start to get more you know many more moments like this one that are so real and so gutting. I'm so excited.
1: Yeah, oh my god. It's it's really just like the door has been cracked.
2: Is there a thing, Jenny, about season two that is not a spoiler, but like perhaps a character or whatever that, that you're most excited? There are just
1: so many peaks and valleys. It is a big, sexy roller coaster, and it is going <laughs> to Fuck you up if you haven't
2: seen it before. Oh, if you haven't seen it before. Holy shit. Buckle up. Buckle up. Please buckle up for safety. Yes, for safety. Um, great. Wow. Well, I think we did it. We really did. Thank you to all of you who sent in emails. Thank you to all of you who sent in voice memos. Thank you so much. Um, If you want to email us at any point, you always can do that at bufferingthevampireslayer at gmail.com. We want you to know that we do our best to read all of the emails. We don't always get to all of them, but we see them all and we respond to as many as we can. Mm -hmm. Uh, We definitely appreciate them. Oh my God, yes. Keep them coming. Thank you. You can also
1: find us on Twitter at Bufferingcast or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash bufferingcast. Yes. Wow. Thank you so much for listening Yeah. to this mailbag episode. Thank A very you. Very special mm-hmm. mailbag and celebration of season one episode. You are delightful. We are so happy to be back, and we cannot wait for next week when we return. Ah, with two. our season two debut episode. Oh my gosh. Which I believe the episode is called When She Was Bad.
2: Yes. yes Can't I wait think to you find are out. Right.
1: What happened when she was bad?
2: (laughs) Um, Just a reminder, if you want to check out our Union Hall show, you can do that over at patreon.com forward slash buffering cast.
1: You can also find our season one album, Buffering the Vampire Slayer songs from season one, all over uh, your favorite digital platforms, Mm -hmm. iTunes, Spotify, wherever. And you can also order a CD while, they, while supplies last oh my over at bufferingthevampireslayer.com.
2: Yeah. Uh, and if you're in the Los Angeles area, come out on February 2nd and see our show at the Nerd Melt showroom. You can find out all about that at nerdmeltla.com.
1: I'm Jenny Owen Youngs, and it has been my pleasure to serve you. And I, I imagine it will continue to be my pleasure to continue to serve you. What a delight. You can learn more about me at JennyOwenYoungs.com slash buffering. And you can find me on Twitter at Jenny Owen Youngs.
2: And I am Kristen Russo. Yes, you are. And despite all that you hear, I am still married to this wonderful human being. How (laughs) dare you, sir? (laughs) Just kidding. You're great. Um, But you can find more about me um, over at my Twitter, which is Kristen Nolene, K-R-I-S-T-I-N-N-O-E-L-I-N-E. Hope you got that. If you didn't, it's an audio file. You can go back and listen to it again. Um, Good point. You can also find out about my work with LGBTQ young people and their families over at everyoneisgay.com or mykidisgay.com. And, um, yeah. Oh, my God. Jenny. Yeah. It's time for season two. <gasps> Deep breaths. Deep Head breaths. between the knees. Spike, spike, spike,
1: spike, spike, spike. Till next time. <gasps> Ooh. And your Mouth! Fruit Punch Mouth! Fruit Punch Mouth! You got Fruit Punch Mouth!